72 hours after being diagnosed with coronavirus, US President Donald Trump returned to the White House from his three-day stay at the Walter Reed Military Hospital in Washington. In a dramatic video, he got off a Marine One helicopter and walked up to the White House waving. And then he pulled off his mask and put it in his pocket to strike a thumbs-up pose for the photographers. Why do these little details matter? Well, even as Trump has been consistently criticised for his cavalier attitude towards the COVID crisis, taking off the mask was nothing short of a symbolic act of defiance keeping with how he has been downplaying the pandemic in his campaign so far. Since the very beginning of the outbreak, he had been trivialising the use of a mask, going as far as avoiding it altogether for press briefings or rallies and even telling his supporters that they are free to wear it, but it's his choice to not. But after his discharge, Trump wrote on Twitter, quote, Feeling really good? Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. End quote. Even so, questions remain on his health and recovery. Although there are only scraps of information available from the White House medical team about his fluctuating oxygen levels and his steroid drug treatment, is Trump's COVID-19 infection more serious than is being represented? At a time when the US recorded more than 7.4 million cases of COVID-19 and more than 2 million deaths, what message is Trump sending to his supporters at this crucial juncture before the election? And most importantly, how can this new development impact the US elections? In this podcast, you'll hear from Dr. Avril Ray, a critical care specialist of the COVID ward at Kolkata's Medica Super Specialty Hospital, and Andrew Claster, who was the Deputy Chief Analytics Officer for Barack Obama's 2012 re-election campaign. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Shorbury. With the outbreak coinciding with the US presidential election this year, coronavirus has without a doubt been a key issue. Even more so now with Trump testing positive in the last bend of the election. From wanting to reopen schools to peddling misinformation to ridiculing Democratic contender Joe Biden for wearing a mask and holding low-key rallies, Trump's message on coronavirus has been that it's not that big of a deal, which is in a huge contradiction to what health experts say from around the world. And even after he's contracted the virus, he continues to downplay the threat. Shortly after returning to the White House, he recorded a video where he said he learned a lot about COVID, only to advise his supporters to not let it dominate them. He even claimed to have overcome the virus. Listen in. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. 
And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But observers with a keen eye say that Trump's breathlessness visible in the videos of his return belies his words. And several reports in the US media also seem to second that. But his desperation to resume campaigning comes even as there isn't much transparency about his current health conditions. Dr. Sean Conley, the White House physician, has provided mixed messages rather than the full picture about the US president's health. As we gather from his interactions with reporters, while Conley maintains that Trump checked out most of the criteria for his discharge, he refused to comment on whether Trump had tested negative. And even as his vital stats were shared with the public, Conley declined to share scans of his lungs, citing health privacy law. As far as medicines are concerned, Trump was administered five doses of remdesivir, an antiviral drug, dexamethasone, a steroid used to treat inflammation, and what is being described as an experimental antibody cocktail. But what explains why the President of United States was given an experimental therapy? We spoke to Dr. Aviral Ray, who is a critical care specialist of the COVID ward at Kolkata's Medica Super Specialty Hospital, for his analysis. Um, so, let us put it like this, right? So, let's put aside he's president and let's just deal with this on a more some objective manner. Mm. You have a 74-year-old male who does not have any other known comorbidities. He has no history of diabetes or hypertension, cardiac disease, kidney disease or liver disease. He's just obese. Now, this person has been diagnosed with COVID-19 and um, initially, and on the first day, it was okay. But then suddenly we got news that he's been tried on experimental drug therapy. Mm. And uh, immediately the day after that, we hear that he's been started on dexamethasone. Mm. Now, now let us bring in the fact, why in the world would you give the president of the world's largest country an experimental cocktail of antibodies? Mm and then immediately start him on remdesivir and then start him on steroids. So as doctors, we already knew he was in bad shape hmm. because you have escalated his care beyond to what would just be normal home isolation for somebody like him if he had mild disease. So we already knew he was doing bad. The very fact they added remdesivir, dexamethasone, as well as experimental antibody cocktail hmm. already told us that, you know, he, I would not say he's severe disease, but at least in the moderate category in a high-risk individual. Going back to Trump's video message again, at a time when America is leading in the world with the most number of deaths, his continued effrontery towards the health guidelines for COVID has been drawing outreach from his critics who had hoped that the US president would come back chastised after contracting the infection himself. But using his experience to urge U.S. citizens to not worry about coronavirus may be hollow because, unlike most U.S. citizens, Trump was airlifted to a military hospital where he received state-of-the-art treatment for COVID. Moreover, the continued denial of the gravity of the pandemic is surprising given that a number of White House staffers tested positive as well. As reports say recently, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany joined the list of 20 others who tested positive. So shouldn't the White House exercise more caution now? Unfortunately, masks are still mostly optional at the White House. With the presidential election less than a month away, contracting COVID at such an inopportune moment has thrown a curve at Trump's presidential campaign. But in terms of political messaging, can Trump afford to change his tone on COVID? Is this development likely to change voters' opinions? Andrew Claster, who was the Deputy Chief Analytics Officer for former President Barack Obama's 2012 re-election campaign, says that a lot of what Trump is facing is his own doing. Um, he's, uh, he's created a difficult situation for himself um, because he decided deliberately to minimize 
uh, COVID-19 when he knew it was much more serious than he was communicating. Um, he's, uh, a lot of this difficulty is something he's created himself. So if he does have rallies, you know, uh, will he encourage his supporters to wear masks and distance? That would be contrary to the message he's been delivering for the last eight months. Um, you know, wearing a mask and socially distancing are not signs of weakness, but Trump has presented them as signs of weakness for the last eight months. He made fun of Joe Biden for socially distancing, for wearing a mask. Um, and so, you know, he's, uh, he's made, this is a, this is a difficulty of his own making. I think the vast majority of voters had already made up their minds. Um, I do think that to the extent that there are some votes that were, that were in play or were already, um, folks who were already questioning uh, Trump's leadership on coronavirus, um, and particularly those who've been affected personally or have family members who've been affected personally. Uh, I think that um, it's, uh, it's an indicator. It's, a, it's yet another indicator on top of all of the others um, of how he had mismanaged and mishandled the crisis. And in particular, it comes at a very bad time for him on top of um, his taxes, on top of the uh, Melania audio tape, on top of all of the other uh, problems, um, which again, he's created for himself. Um, it's, it's come at a time when he's the one who's down in the polls. He's the one who needs to turn things around. He's the one who needs to make a change. And this is making it very difficult for him to change the subject to a subject that he wants to talk about. In the coming days, if Trump is unable to campaign, it's likely that his family members and senior administration will fill in for him. But does Trump's infection turn things around for the elections? The next presidential debate, which will be done in a town hall format, is scheduled for 15 October in Florida. Can everything be expected to go according to the plan? Mr. Claster offers a couple of possibilities. Um, it will certainly depend on Trump's health. Um, I, you know, he avoided taking a, uh, a test before the last debate, I can't imagine that will be permitted again. Um, I, so uh, I think people will want to know if he's still infectious at the time of the debate. There's a question about uh, his physical stamina, whether he'll be able to participate in a debate. So um, there are a couple of possibilities. One is that it could be postponed. Another is that it could be canceled. Um, another is that he might just not show up or um, another possibility is that he uh, he could show up and be in uh, uh, and be in former shape similar to uh, the first debate. I think the question is, what is he going to be doing over the days and weeks that come? Um, is he going to be going out and doing rallies? If he does do rallies, is he going to distance and wear masks? Is he going to stay around the White House? And if so, what is his health situation? Is he going to be active um, or is he going to continue to do these sort of, you know, uh, press conferences once a day where, uh, where he tries to make it look like he's working? Um, but, uh, but it's very clear from the photos and the video um, that he's unable to do so. And then the other question is, is something going to happen 
uh, is there going to be a relapse where at some point in the next two weeks he has to return to the hospital? Commenting on Trump's return to the White House, Democratic contender Joe Biden, who Trump had mocked for wearing a mask even as recently as the last presidential debate, curtly said, masks matter. And he also got a 14-point lead over Trump since the debate. But how much of these remaining debates are likely to impact voters' opinions, especially amongst Trump supporters? This is what Mr. Claster said. I think the debates are having an impact in the same way, um, which is that for that small segment of the electorate that is uh, undecided or still making up its mind, um, it's having an impact there. I think the bigger impact is on um, is on enthusiasm. So if Trump supporters are um, losing faith in him, um, as again, there's some indications that that is happening. If that's the case, then we may see diminished enthusiasm from his base. Um, and similarly, uh, on the Democratic side, if people are more enthusiastic about Biden, that could increase um, the number of people who actually vote for Biden in this election. But there are other issues that could have a similar impact, including the Supreme Court nomination. So it's unclear which side would be more uh, enthused to vote in response to um, in response to Supreme Court uh, uh, hearings as well as a vote. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts. 